Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. Great to have you with us. And uh, we're all about politics today. Political corruption and the Republican leadership, the rhino left, and their agenda to get as close to the Democrat Party as possible and then abandon the working Americans and their families, our great middle class, distance themselves from true border security, from controlled immigration into our nation, not wide open borders that suit the corporatist media, the business roundtable, the Chamber of Commerce and Wall Street, all in league with the Marxist left Dems and their demand for amnesty, wide open borders, and social programs in the billions for illegals, and the duplicity of Republican leaders in the House and Senate. Their political corruption includes deceiving all voters for Donald Trump, all voters who will vote Republican because they want this country fixed, turned around, prosperity restored, and America first policies only in our foreign policy. But you'll hear today the audio tape that proves House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy lied about his support of President Trump, lied about January 6th and his alignment with the rhinos and the radical Dems who are still trying to impeach President Trump and destroy this country. Today, I'll have some special words for Kevin McCarthy and the Republican leaders who support him, not only as Minority Leader, But for Speaker of the House, if the GOP does succeed in the November midterms with a wave election, those Republicans on Capitol Hill who know full well that McCarthy is as phony as he needs to be in order to achieve his political ambitions for himself. And I'll reserve a few thoughts for those who are accomplices and enablers of McCarthyism. McCarthyism is what we call on this podcast the practice of putting rhinos in positions of GOP leadership. That's coming up here today. And now we have with us Peter Schweizer, intrepid and inspiring investigative reporter, author of his most recent bestseller, Red Handed, the book that reveals the monies the Biden family as an enterprise received from China. And he's also president of the Government Accountability Institute, senior editor-at-large at Breitbart News, and one great American. Peter, great to have you back with us. You've authored this new special report on corruption, in particular at the Commerce Department. Now, a lot of people are going to be surprised that you focused, at least initially, on the Commerce Department. Why? Uh, Yeah, it's always great to be with you, Lou. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, We wanted to look at commerce because, uh, honestly, it tends to be a dumping ground for political favors. The Commerce Department, it's kind of sleepy. Very few people pay attention to it. Uh, But the fact is it has a lot of power in picking winners and losers uh, in corporate America. And it also has a strong influence 
over, uh, you know, if we're going to put tariffs on uh, foreign countries like China, uh, a lot of the details there are determined by the Commerce Department itself. And what we found, Lou, is that this uh, agency that was really set up to kind of protect American business, protect American workers, make us more competitive around the world, make sure that you know trade agreements and rules are being enforced, uh, has really become the subject of an extensive lobbying effort uh, that also includes efforts by Beijing uh, to curry favor with executives at that uh agency by giving sweetheart deals and forging commercial ties with family members. And you you talk about in this uh, new report, you talk about elite capture. Uh, you introduced millions of Americans to the term elite capture, which is a strategy by the particularly the, uh, the Chinese, uh, the communist Chinese, uh, to basically buy out uh, the, the souls of Americans and hold them captive until they're needed, and they're needed frequently, aren't they? Yeah, that's exactly right, Lou. I mean, you you define it very clearly, uh, and this is an overt strategy. Um, they started doing this first in New Zealand and Australia. They've been doing it in the United States for quite a long time, and basically what they're looking for is a way to sort of lobotomize uh, America's political leadership. I mean, some people think our leaders are already lobotomized, literally. But <laughs> the goal—the goal here is to, you know, find ways to help make American politicians wealthy. Uh, make sure that they know that it's coming from the hand of Beijing, and they usually do it by giving sweetheart deals to family members, people like Hunter Biden, but also people like Mitch McConnell's family. And the idea is pretty genius. Once these political families start getting wealthy and they know that it's coming from the government in China, uh, they're going to start looking the other way when China does certain things. Uh, what they're looking for are not robots, you know, politicians that do exactly everything they want. They know that that makes those politicians not viable politically. So the way it's defined, if you translate it from the Chinese, is they're looking for big help with a little bad mouth. Uh, the little bad right. mouth is if you want to ding us on the Uyghurs, if you want to talk about human rights, if you want to sort of vent your frustration about our trade policies, that's fine. What, what they want is help on the big stuff, which is unfettered access to technology, to U.S. capital markets, and minimal restrictions on their ability to send subsidized goods to the United States. If you do those things for them, uh, they are happy to play ball and make you very wealthy. And that's indeed what they've done. Well, amongst those people uh, who are very wealthy to begin with, uh, and I'm going to start, and people may be surprised to hear me even say this, uh, but Wilbur Ross the Commerce Secretary under President Trump, uh, you raised some startling, I think is a fair word, uh, connections uh, and uh, business dealings that I don't think pass the smell test. Uh, I don't know whether they're illegal, frankly, but they sure do look bad. Uh, let's start with his shipping business. Yeah, I mean, uh, Wilbur Ross has a number of investments, but he's involved with two shipping companies. Uh, and the co-owners of those shipping companies happen to be Chinese uh, state-owned firms. 
Uh, and so people would ask, well, why is this relevant? Well, it's relevant when a President Trump was in office. Uh, he did a, I think, a lot of great work in trying to reorient our approach towards China, recognizing their predatory practices in the, in the area of economics, uh, the military sphere, et cetera. So part of his strategy was to erect tariffs. Uh, those tariffs were enforced by the Commerce Department, which was run by Wilbur Ross. Uh, if you go back and look what happened, uh, the Commerce Department really loosened those uh, restrictions. They created exemptions. The exemptions included some of Wilbur Ross's companies. He really gutted uh, what President Trump was trying to do. That's not what you want your own Commerce Secretary to do. And so the question becomes is, why was Wilbur Ross doing that? And I think one of the reasons was he had these deep commercial ties with Beijing, uh, and that influenced his decision-making process. It's, it's just another example, unfortunately, of how Wall Street and the swamp work to undermine policies that are popular, that are put in place by an elected president, uh, but they behind the scenes work to weaken and, gut, and, weaken and gut those those rules and regulations. Now, President Trump lived up to his uh, his promise to the voters that he would curtail uh, lobbyists. He was not going to let there be that uh, uh, circular uh, flow between Washington, D.C. and corporate America that is so lucrative for for congressmen, for their staff members, so forth and others. Uh, but this goes on. And meanwhile, the chairman, uh, the chairman, the secretary of the Commerce Department retains ownership uh, in shipping companies uh, that uh, you say uh, 62% of their business came from, guess where, South Korea, uh, even as, uh, well, anyway, give us your explanation yeah. for that. Yeah, I mean, this is another interesting case. So the shipping business, uh, uh, a lot of its business is shipping steel goods, uh, steel from South Korea to the United States. And if you remember, one of President Trump's initiatives to restart or encourage greater manufacturing in the United States was to protect the American steel industry. Uh, and they were protecting them from China, but also from South Korea. Well, what Wilbur Ross did was exempt certain South Korean steel companies from US tariffs. Those happened to be the steel companies that his shipping business was carrying their goods to the United States. It's a massive conflict of interest. Uh, and to your point about lobbying, I mean, this is the other problem. The Commerce Department uh, became a focal point for lobbying efforts uh, by large American corporations. And here's the scary part, Lou. Uh, a lot of the companies that were lobbying the Commerce Department were uh, trying to limit these tariffs that President Trump had took it, put in place as it related to uh, Asia in general. And these American companies were lobbying to get those tariffs removed. Uh, a lot of the lobbying wasn't done by Chinese or South Korean firms. It was done by American firms doing their bidding for them. Uh, and that is part of the problem we face. A lot of our largest corporations are not looking out for the interests of the country, American workers or the United States. They're looking out for their own bottom line and they're looking out for the interests of their partners, which oftentimes reside in mainland China or somewhere else in Asia. It's, it's an enormous problem uh, when you look at where corporate America is today. And to see also uh, Jared Kushner's name 
uh, seeking partners to buy distressed industrial uh, uh, properties. Uh, Invesco that bought uh, the W.L. Grayson, uh, W.L. Rawson. I'm going back a few years. Grace. <laughs> right. uh, W.L. Rawson company. Uh, it, it's this, you know, it is the nature of business networks and, uh, and relationships. But there seems to be very little constraint. I, I'm surprised at the constraints that were placed on uh, board members, family members uh, of the Trump family, I'm referring to, uh, and, and what they were doing uh, in business. It, it just seems to be outside, um, if you will, the bounds of what President Trump stood for. And, and that troubles me deeply because I know that uh, you know, he, he really meant to bring integrity to D.C. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, look, this is a classic example of, you know, Donald Trump is a loyal guy and he's loyal to his family and he's loyal to his friends. And unfortunately, sometimes people try to take advantage of that. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the big mistakes, and I've said this before, one of the big mistakes he made, I think, was bringing his family members into the White House, uh, both his daughter and his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, uh, because it you're not going to get the sort of unfettered uh, advice that you're going to get from somebody who's there that shares your agenda. If they're a family member, uh, I think they're going to have certain influence on you that that is really just not good. And I think that applied in this case because it's pretty clear there were certain key elements of Trump's agenda that were not shared uh, by certain members of his family, at least Jared Kushner and Ivanka. Uh, yeah. And that was a problem. Uh, and I think it was particularly as a problem as it related to some of these foreign entities because uh, let's remember, Jared Kushner came in. His family has a lot of uh, international business dealings. They own a lot of real estate uh, and, and they have global interests. And to ask somebody like that to separate their interests while they're in the White House, you need to be darn sure that they share your agenda. And unfortunately, in this case, I don't think he did. And I don't think the president was well served by it. Yeah. And, and we started there because, frankly, that is shocking to me. Uh, I've got high regard for Wilbur Ross, and I think that uh, perhaps he could have used better judgment. I'll put it that way. Uh, then you point out these qualified opportunity zones, QOZs. I love that uh, acronym anyway. <laughs> right. But, and you mentioned Jared Kushner. You mentioned Chris Christie, Quicken Loans founder. Uh, but also we have a former mayor. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, and now a cabinet member for uh, President Biden, uh, which I consider to be one of the most corrupt uh, administrations in history, uh, yeah. not, not only inept, but crooked, uh, with projects in South Bend, of which he was the former mayor, uh, Opportunity Zones, he helped identify where those projects would be. Uh, <laughs> and and it, it's just so, again, circular and uh, raises huge questions. It does. Uh, yeah. Mayor Pete uh, has positioned himself as sort of the, you know, the fresh new face of politics. He's the mayor of this, you know, neat industrial town in South Bend. I've been there. It's a nice place. But the problem is uh, he was steering uh, these opportunity zones, grants and loans uh, to political patrons and political supporters of his. Uh, if you're really, truly interested in revitalizing urban America, which I think is a great idea, uh, it's a good America first agenda, 
Uh, it should not be handled by politicians like Pete Buttigieg, who are doling them out to his political sponsors. So it's it's another example of kind of the ugly side of the Commerce Department. I think we need a Commerce Department that uh, does what its original mission was, which is to protect American business and encourage uh, their success overseas. But when you get these politicians that are using it to either line their pockets, uh, benefit their, uh, you know, their families or friends or their political donors, uh, that is a disservice to the country. And it's frankly surprising to me. Uh, You know, we talked a little bit about um, Jared Kushner. Some of that got some reporting. No real reporting on Pete Buttigieg, and the media has not reported on this uh, when they should have, given all the press attention he's given and given the fact that he was the mayor of a relatively small town. It's not hard to find this stuff out. Unfortunately, they chose not to because they apparently weren't that interested. Not that interested. And we, we have the same example with the current Commerce Secretary, uh, Gina Raimondo's husband, Andrew Moffat an executive at the Chinese-funded uh, technology firm called Path AI, uh, subject to regulations by the department that uh, his his wife runs. There's that good old Commerce Department right in the middle of it again. <laughs> That's right, Lou. And, and what's really interesting about this case is uh, when the Secretary Romano came into office the initial claims of the Biden administration is they were going to, you know, sort of leave Trump's tariffs in place at some level and use it as a bargaining chip. Uh, that's really been melted away. Um, if you look at some of the uh, initiatives and things that she's done as Commerce Secretary, uh, she significantly strengthened the hands of Chinese firms like Huawei. Uh, this is a, the you know communications technology company that seven governments, including the United States, Australia, the UK, et cetera, have all said is joined at the hip with Chinese intelligence. Uh, she has done considerable benefit to them, listening, loosening restrictions on some of the things they can do in the United States. Uh, and the question is, why? Why is she doing this? And I think part of the answer is her husband uh, is involved uh, at a very senior level, a major stakeholder in this Path AI company that works in the field of artificial intelligence, which is of extreme interest to the Chinese government. uh, And it is partly owned by Chinese state-backed investment funds. Uh, So, you know, her net worth, her family's net worth is directly tied to the Chinese government. Uh, And I don't think you can separate the two. Uh, And my view, Lou, is if you look at the way that the Pentagon uh, has requirements for people that are put in senior positions in the Pentagon, you're not allowed to uh, have major shareholdings in companies that do major business with the Pentagon. There was a famous case a few years ago where uh, a, a executive uh, in the Bush George W. Bush administration was going to take a Pentagon position, but he had major shareholding in Coca-Cola. which is a major contract. So he could not take the position. And yet you've got people at the Commerce Department who have major stakes, major ties to the Chinese government. uh, And yet there's no restrictions on them being able to do that. So one of the reforms we should propose is we should not have people running the Commerce Department that have financial ties to Beijing, period. That seems like just a starting point on where we should be. I have to say that I think that your your idea is exactly right. And I think you and I both remember when it wouldn't have been necessary to legislate 
or regulate uh, any of these issues because one would expect of the of the so-called elites in both the Republican parties that they would never dream of having that conflict of interest uh, with a foreign power that is the enemy, the principal enemy, I would argue, uh, of the United States right this very moment. Uh, it, it's 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 appalling to see where we have descended. No, you're right, Lou. And I mean, just look at this particular case involving Romando and her husband Andrew Moffat. So he is a uh, you know a executive, a stakeholder, a major owner of Path AI, which is an artificial intelligence. President Xi of China has said uh, that whoever wins the AI technology race is going to seize the commanding heights in the technology war. That's what he calls it with the United States. And so her husband runs an AI firm, which takes a major investment from the Chinese government. Where are they expecting that their technology and their intellectual property is going to end up with that kind of arrangement? It's going to end up in Beijing. Uh, And yet she's supposed to be helping American business be competitive around the world against China. I mean, it's a massive, massive conflict of interest in a very important space, uh, artificial intelligence, which, as Xi says, is so key to the future of this technological war we have going on. I'm very suspicious of people who are uh, ideologues, uh, leftists, Marxists, who are also at the same time agnostic on the issue of national security and national interest. This is deeply troubling. And uh, she is uh, she's a, the very, I think, among the foremost examples of what we're talking about. I want to talk about, because no one has reported uh, more than you on uh, Hunter Biden, the Hunter family, uh, and uh, their corruption. I want to talk about that. Uh, and Joe Biden's compromise uh, and a number of other things. I, I, particularly, I want to talk about McCarthyism, as we call it here on the podcast. Uh, but I want to also ask first about the laptop uh, and uh, where you, well, where you where you stand on the grand jury that's been investigating Hunter Biden for four years now. Yeah, it uh, it started in 2018, in the summer of 2018, about four or five months after uh, my book, Secret Empires, came out. I One of the first interviews I did was with you, Lou, where we exposed that the Bidens had these uh, financial ties to China. Uh, the grand jury met and then COVID hit. And then essentially grand juries, unless they were deemed to be high priorities, apparently this wasn't, uh, uh, it basically, uh, you know, shut down uh, for COVID. It restarted uh, a few months ago. Um, So they lost some time. And the concern here is not just the fact that we had the 2020 election and, and a lot of voters weren't made aware of these facts. You also have the issue of statute of limitations, because some of the stuff we're talking about that I believe involved criminal violations The statute of limitations are seven years, six years, eight years. Mm. Uh, So the grand jury, I think, is moving pretty quickly. I think we're going to see indictments. I think one of the reasons that the uh, team Biden has been more uh, accessible, let's say, to the media on these topics is they anticipate they're going to probably be indictments, particularly on, on the tax evasion issues. Uh, but my biggest concern, Lou, is that the grand jury is going to come back. They're going to recommend that these things be investigated. And this Department of Justice, which let's remember, the leadership is appointed by 
the suspect's father, Joe Biden, uh, is basically going to come up with some kind of plea deal uh, that and maybe Hunter even goes to jail for a few months. But they desperately don't want there to be an open trial uh, where these facts are discussed and where the American people understand and learn about the sordid way in which the Biden family operates. And the fact that Joe Biden was a beneficiary, that he was meeting with Hunter Biden's uh, clients, uh, you know, the whole collection of criminals and corrupt government officials and spies uh, that the bo- that the Biden family was taking money from. I think that's their biggest concern. And my view is Hunter Biden is the symbol of the larger problem. It doesn't begin with Hunter Biden. I really believe the American people need to know all the facts here. And that's where it's going to really come down to these congressional committees. Uh, When the new Congress convenes in January, if you in fact have a Republican majority, which I think I'm pretty confident in saying we're going to, is the leadership going to really aggressively pursue these issues with their subpoena power, or are they just going to play lip service to it? Well, I want to come back to that as well, but I want to, you've you've set this up, so I want to deal with Kevin McCarthy, uh, and I, who is the minority leader, as you well know, of the of the House. Uh, he is uh, he is has been caught lying about the president. Um, uh, by the way, my my questions and my opposition to him holding any post uh, has been because he is a rhino. Uh, he is far closer to a Democrat than he is a Republican. I can't tell you the number of people, and I'm sure you've heard the same thing, who tell me what a nice guy he is. Uh, that is not an issue for me. What is at issue is he's a man who too eagerly uh, betrayed the president of the United States in a moment of crisis, and I'm talking about January 6th. I'm also talking about the election in which he did nothing that uh, highly questionable uh, election and election results in 2020. Uh, I I want to play, if I may, uh, from Rachel Maddow, uh, her reporting and her exclusive with an audio tape leaked to her by we do not know whom, but leaked to her of the Kevin McCarthy uh, talking with Liz Cheney. And here it is. Liz, you on the phone? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks, Kevin. Um, I guess there's a question. When when we were talking about the 25th Amendment resolution, um, yeah. and you asked if, if, you know, what happens if it gets there after he's gone, is, is there any chance, are you hearing that he might resign? Is there any reason to think that might happen? I've had a few discussions. My gut tells me no. Um, I'm seriously... Thank you for having that conversation with him tonight. I haven't talked to him in a couple days. Um, from what I know of him, I mean, you guys all know him too. Do you think he'd ever back away? But what what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to call him. My this, this is what I think. Um, no one will pass the house. I think there's a chance he'll pass the Senate even when he's gone. Um, and. I think there's a lot of different ramifications for that. Now, I haven't had a discussion with the Dems that if he did design, would it not happen? Now, this is one personal fear I have. Um, I do not want to get into any conversations about Pence pardoning anything like that. I mean, the only discussion I would have with him is that I think this will pass. 
and it would be my recommendation you should be done. Um, I mean, that would be my take, but I don't think he would take it, but I don't know. Your thoughts, Peter? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't think in a uh, leaked conversation between Liz Cheney and uh, McCarthy that, that the more principled one would be Liz Cheney, but that's essentially <laughs> what you're getting. I mean, uh. and, you know, I, I think you're kind of the same way, Lou. I mean, you know, somebody, you may disagree with them and you may think they're wrong. You may think they're unwise, but if they're open and candid what their position is, you have more respect for that than somebody who's telling some people some things and other people publicly something else. Uh, so I think this is very damaging to McCarthy. I think there are uh, other great leadership options. I mean, I, I'm not great at sort of handicapping these things. Uh, I've always thought Jim Jordan has a, a, a great uh, fighting spirit. Uh, he's also smart. He's not an unguided missile. Uh, and he's prepared to do the right thing. So hopefully the other people are going to step forward. But I think this is severely damaging precisely because what people are looking for in leadership, this is part of the attraction of, of, of Donald Trump, is people that are genuine. They, they don't tell you something different privately than they tell you publicly. That's why I think this is so devastating at this particular time. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I also agree with you on Jim Jordan. Uh, I'm, I'm told that he is reluctant uh, ever to to get involved in the fundraising. He's he's desperately needed. Uh, he, I hope that he will listen to people like you who are calling on him to to take up this uh, immense responsibility, because the Republican Party cannot afford any more rhinos. It's what I call McCarthyism, uh, Peter. I I, I call <laughs> what I call McCarthyism is. Kevin McCarthy is a rhino through and through, and the Republicans seem to be unable to break away from the Thunes, the Roy Blunts, the Barrassos, uh, and they must have Mitch McConnells, uh, who are, as you know better than anyone, his, his family is an interesting one, I'll put it that way, but his heart doesn't seem to be in the Republican Party. Uh, and I just don't understand why the Republican Party continues to go this way, because in that direction goes uh, great corruption, great deception. And if they'll deceive you on one thing, they'll deceive you on everything else, uh, including uh, corruption of uh, all kinds. Do you agree? Uh, well, I do. And I mean, I, I would just sort of personalize it. I mean, you know, if you have a daughter, one of the things you want to teach your daughter when they reach into adulthood is guys are going to tell you all kinds of things. Uh, don't, don't believe what they're telling you. Look at what they're actually doing. Uh, and that's what I think the real question is yeah. here. For the part that I have focused on, Hunter Biden, you know, talk is cheap. Telling us you're going to investigate, you're going to issue subpoenas. That's really you know cheap. The question is, are you actually going to do it? And I think oftentimes conservatives settle too much for the sweet talk. Uh, they're not being wise in, in what they're hearing from their political leaders. And when their political leaders tell them they're committed to something, they believe them. Uh, and I'm not saying you want to be totally cynical, but I think you want to be a realist. Uh, you know, what was Reagan's old saying about the Soviets? Trust, but verify. Oh. Um, you know, it, we, we cannot verify a lot of the things that we have been promised over the last decade by a lot of this leadership. So why do, you think, why do we think we can trust them going forward? Exactly. And I, I, Mitch McConnell, uh, in a recent book, 
being quoted as saying uh, to uh, the Democrats, get the SOB, referring to President Trump uh, and their efforts to impeach him on the basis of January 6th, for crying out loud. Uh, I, I would, I, I, I've got to say this right now to, to this audience. Uh, I don't want Kevin McCarthy to be speaker. Uh, I don't want Mitch McConnell to be the majority leader in, in the Senate. Uh, I think if they had one ounce of integrity or the people around them has one ounce of integrity, based on what they have said, disloyal remarks about President Trump, the deceit, the duplicity, and the lies that make up Republican leadership in both the Senate and the House, I, I'm calling on Kevin McCarthy to resign right now. This is absolutely an affront to everything that any leader in any House or either party should ever uh, have committed. Uh, and to betray the president uh, and to betray his conference in this way, if the Republican conference does not demand his resignation right now, I don't think they're worthy of anyone's vote in November. I really don't. I, it is, this has reached a level that is absolutely appalling. Uh, your thoughts, Peter, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I am somewhat exercised about what we're witnessing here today. No, I, I, I think principal leadership is the key. I mean, if you have the facts on your side, you have the truth on your side, uh, you have the ideas and the vision for the country that is the winning vision, it all comes down to principal leadership. And let's remember, Lou, uh, when President Trump came into office in January of 2017, uh, we had Republican majorities, right, in the House and the Senate. Right. Uh, and and uh, a lot of the agenda stalled, not because of Democrats. I mean, yeah, they did try to muck things up in the Senate as they want to do. It was because Republicans were 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 jiggy. Uh, they they weren't uh, willing to advance that agenda. So, uh, you know, it's very fine for these people to point at the Democrats and you know throw up their hands in frustration. Uh, but Mitch McConnell was leading the Senate uh, when a lot of these issues came up. And again, I would say with Mitch McConnell. Uh, you know, be honest. If if you have a principled opposition to President Trump and come out and say it uh, like you should, uh, don't say one thing in private and another thing in public and try to split the difference. That's the sort of thing I think people uh, resent and dislike the most. And it, it appears that we're getting that from uh, both the man who is going to be the leader in the Republican leader in the Senate and the man who, at least at this point, uh, was was uh, the trajectory was would be the leader in the house, and I will. Uh, I've given you my definition of McCarthyism. That is the tendency of the Republicans to always put rhinos in position of leadership instead of a strong. Uh, I, I will even accept a centrist Republican leader, uh, if, if, as long as they put America first uh, in every way. Uh, that's not going to happen. So I guess I better just stick with America first conservatives. Uh, I, I just don't understand why uh, the American people should be asked to vote Republican if the conference doesn't have the guts to remove, demand the removal of those who have deceived them, the leader of their party, Donald J. Trump, uh, and deceived all of us throughout their tenure as leaders in the House and the Senate. It is appalling. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and it, it has to change. I, I really don't think there will be a way of election unless we see this happen, because we know that all those millions of votes 
will amount to nothing, calling for change and a steadfast, secure border, uh, stopping illegal immigration, removing people who have entered here illegally now uh, because of the, the whim of a mad Marxist uh, puppet by the name of Biden. If we don't fix this now, and I mean bring great care and an understanding of what is uh, uh, patri the patriotic thing to do in our leadership, uh, we're lost. And these two men, McConnell and McCarthy, are a huge part of the problem. They are in no way a solution to anything. I'm going to give you the last word. You've been kind to, uh, to stay with us a little longer than we intended. Uh, I, I, Peter, I just uh, I, I can't wait to see the book. I can't wait to see your further reporting. And this is astounding, astounding reporting and uh, our, our gratitude. Well, thank you, Lou, as always. Uh, no, I just I think we're at an incredible, important juncture in the country today. Um, and that is, are we going to continue doing what we're doing, which is leading us down this path uh, where uh, our country is damaged, uh, where the American people have lost faith in their institutions? Or are we going to demand accountability from our political class? That includes Republicans, Democrats, moderates, even conservatives. Um, we need to hold our leaders in account. Uh, and that means shining the light. That means expressing our views. And that means having a clear yardstick of what we expect from our leaders. And I think gone are the days, Lou, where you know the Democrats are in power and they're not doing well, so people are automatically going to vote Republican. Uh, that's not the day that we live in anymore. What's going to happen in the present is if the Republicans don't present principal leadership uh, with a real agenda, uh, those people aren't going to vote Republican. They're just going to stay home uh, and the Democrats are going to retain power. So it's not about party. It's about principle and it's about holding people account. That's what your entire journalistic career has been about, Lou. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, and we're going to continue to do that. Amen, brother. Peter, well said as always. And uh, I thank you for uh, spending part of your day with us and sharing with our audience your reporting. Uh, powerful, powerful reporting that every American needs to, to know. Uh, we appreciate it. God bless you, Peter. Peter Schweitzer, a great American indeed. And before we go today, I'd like to share with you an important story that's being heard at the U.S. Supreme Court today. It's about a Washington State High School assistant football coach who prayed at midfield at games for years. He was suddenly let go because students started praying with him. That was almost seven years ago. And finally, the Supreme Court is hearing his case on freedom of religion. To take this long, in my opinion, on a case involving a citizen's fundamental constitutional right is outrageous and unacceptable. The hearing starts today. The case is Kennedy versus Bremerton School District. And watch, if you will, Justice Amy Barrett. She's not only wobbly on our Bill of Rights, it seems, but also fearfully ambivalent when she should be powerfully certain of citizens and our rights. At least so it seems to me. I really want to be wrong about Justice Barrett. Tomorrow, nothing wobbly about our guest ever. Our guest is a strong defender of America and our freedoms. He's Gordon Chang on the rising communist Chinese and their many and profound threats to America. Please join us. 
We want to invite you to sign up for our Great America Show Advisory and Newsletter. Simply go to ludobs.com, that's ludobs.com, and click on the email newsletter button. It's as simple as that. And we'll send you our advisories and alerts, as well as our weekly newsletter. I don't want to overstate anything, but I'm pretty sure you will absolutely sense at least a small positive change in your world outlook. We invite you to join us and stay in touch. Thank you. That's ludobs.com. Thanks. God bless you. And God bless America. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.